You're going to want to hear this. Our next in-person mastermind is coming up and we're doing things a little differently. Tickets are available to everyone. No membership required. Picture this, a day and a half of learning, networking, and problem solving with like-minded law firm owners who are as passionate about building the best law firm possible as you are. We'll kick things off with a presentation from sales and marketing expert, Dave D. If you don't know Dave, be sure to go back to episode 605 of the Maximum Lawyer podcast to hear him share how lawyers can stand out in a crowded market. Following his keynote and Q&A are the Mastermind Hot Seats. Every attendee has the opportunity to dive deep into their business obstacles with their mastermind group and coach. There's nothing like the energy of being with other driven law firm owners who are just as committed to their success as you are. We believe that nothing beats working on your firm in person, so join us in Charlotte on July 15th and 16th. This is your chance to break through barriers, gain fresh perspectives, and accelerate your law firm's success. Visit MaxLawEvents.com for full event details and to grab your ticket today. Run your law firm the right way. way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maxim Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Tyson, my friend, we are going to be talking about immigration today, running an immigration law firm, and lots of things that I like to think about. So I'm excited. You were steepling. You were doing the steepling thing as you were as you were saying that. So I can, I can tell you're <laughs> you're excited. Yeah, and it, you know it's a it's a Gildian. It's it's someone that uh, we like talking to. Jose Dewitt. Jose, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Thanks. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Great. We're great, Jose. So tell everybody about you and your law school experience and how you came to own a law firm. It was a, a, a roundabout process. So I, I went to law school in, in the San Francisco Bay Area at Berkeley, and then I stuck around there for a couple of years. I, was at, I started out at a, at a big firm and then got into immigration by accident. I wound up in Florida for for personal reasons. I I thought it was going to be a short stay. So immigration, you can practice immigration in any state as long as you're licensed in any jurisdiction. So I thought I'd pick up a little bit of work while I was here. And one case turned into another, and then that turned into a book of business. And then I worked at a few firms as an associate. And a couple of years ago, decided to make a break for it and start my own firm. So is there anything that's surprised you from like what you thought it was going to be like compared to like what it what it's actually like <laughs> everything so yeah in my probably this is not unique for anybody who's done this but i in my head this was i've been a perpetual associate i'm used to grinding and pumping out the cases and i'm good at it and so it's going to be more of that except i'm going to make more money at it and maybe there's going to be some small percentage on the top of like miscellaneous admin work and occasional marketing. And it, you know, it's been the inverse, right? So that, that was, that was surprising to me. It, when I started the firm, I didn't have the benefit. I wasn't plugged into uh, Max Law, for instance, or, or, or any of the other resources that I lean on now to, to understand uh, what it's like to run a firm. So it was, I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And also I was surprised by 
how much I would like the running a firm aspect of it. It, it I, I didn't see that coming. Everybody in my family is they're all entrepreneurs. I was the black sheep, so to speak, in the sense that I was the one, the only bookworm. The only they always laughed at me because I was the, the only one who wasn't practical minded and was just good at just sitting down and figuring out cases and, and writing, but just not a people person, not a get things done person. And once I was in that seat, I was shocked at how much I liked it and that I actually wasn't half bad at it. Over those first six months, like Jose, how did you? get clients? Was it just you? How did you sort of set things up? It was just me for maybe the first month or two. And then very quickly, I hired one VA and one in-person paralegal, neither of whom worked out in the end. It it was still, it, it was, it was good to go through that experiment of, of, of hiring and, and figuring that out early on because at least I'd, I'd made a few mistakes and, and was ready to get into the hiring process with eyes wide open once we actually really did need people and, and were ready to grow a little bit more. And so it, it, I was the only attorney. I still am the only attorney, really. At first, I was lucky in that a friend from law school, he's he's general counsel at fairly large hospitality company and he I already had some cases lined up with them before I left my old job so I knew from the start that that would be at least some some source of revenue they were my only client at first and from there on it was it was slow going but that one client kept us afloat for a little bit the the two partners I worked for a few jobs before I started the firm they split right before before I went on my own and I shared office space with one of them so that was that was a really that, that was good at first like I, I I had cheap rent from her and you know use of the copier and all those things that I, I wasn't ready to all those costs I wasn't ready to absorb on my own yet and she fed me some work at least some contract work where she had overflow so that was helpful also you know there there are things like that that are really are it is really something that helps out young lawyers that I mean, I, I know I had the benefit of a lot of that whenever I first started out. So like there are things like that where like just like use of a copier is just, it's such, it can be like such a, a really big thing. Are there like, what are some tips or some advice you might give to some young lawyers that are, or older lawyers that are considering, you know, starting their own firm? I was, you know, I, I, I probably wish I had done a little bit more due diligence before I did it. It was impulsive, but so, so I, I think it might have been a smoother ride if I'd figured out a few more things before I started because, you know, I, I was opening a bank account in a hurry because we didn't have a trust account and clients were ready to pay me and I just didn't have anywhere to put the money. So like very, very basic things like that, that I hadn't laid the groundwork for before I started that it wouldn't have taken a whole lot of thought or effort to at least have in place. I think so. I, one thing that I started doing very quickly and that was helpful was, was just ask for help, reach out, like surround yourself with people who are doing this, have done this, are willing to, to, to lend a hand and lend advice. As a perpetual associate, I most of my career I had been really cloistered. I was just in, in the office. I, I went to occasional, like, AILA, the Immigration Lawyers Association, I'd go to occasional events and I, I knew a few people there and would say hi, but I, I didn't have a very strong network within the immigration sphere or, or outside of it. And so jumping in, realizing I was out of my depth and and, and, and needing, needing to figure it out quickly forced me to just build a network very fast. And so I think if you don't have one, start thinking about that right away because it, it's been invaluable to 
to see what others are doing, what mistakes others are making, how they figured things out has been huge. A lot of our members have consumer facing practices, and I know you certainly do, but you also have part of your practice that is sort of more working with companies and corporate stuff. And so a lot of the things that we talk about in Max Law might not necessarily apply. And so sometimes people get frustrated with Tyson and I that we don't have more advice for people like that. So what tips do you have for people that sort of spend a lot of their energy working with corporate clients or, or you know, repeat clients like that? A lot of what what you guys talk about is, is, is you know, video and social media and putting stuff out there and, and those types of channels. And, and so I, I dipped my toes into that and, and didn't have much traction. And then one thing I got out of the last mastermind I was in was 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 why don't you try LinkedIn? And I, I hadn't really given it much thought. And so, and, and that's been huge just in a few months. I've, you know, we, we've had a really good response. And so I guess, you know, it, it, a lot of what, what Max Law is about, it, it, it is applicable to a corporate practice. It's just pick your platform, I guess. Know, know where the people you're trying to target are actually circulating. Spend your efforts there. A lot more of my business development is still networking, 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 networking. I think a lot of the the kind of mass outreach type of of, of marketing is it, it. I do we do it, and we we still have a lot a way to ways to go there. But it's it's a lot more about relationships. All right, so I want to ask you a related question because a lot of we Jim and I do get some pushback like with the B two B people where uh, we're different, like we're different, and I wonder, like, do you? I want your honest opinion. Like, do you feel like you all are different or, or do you think that many of the principles are the same? I'm just, I'm, I'm super curious what you think. I'm still navigating that. So for example, intake, intake is, is, is a puzzle that we haven't fully figured out yet. So with like, like the the whole Gary Falkowitz and the whole thing about not charging for the consults. And a lot of this is, uh, it's not applicable for the types of relationships that we're building because a lot of our, a lot of our corporate clients, they don't, they don't have a case they need help immediately with. It's it's more of a, they they want help about how how do we set up an, immig- an immigration program in our, at our firm and and that's something that we're going to charge hourly for off the bat. And so it's it, the, the dynamics are different. So intake, for example, the the mold you guys have set out doesn't fully fit us, right? So I'll report back once I once we do <laughs> figure out something workable. But 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 that other parts of it are, I think, a pretty a pretty close fit. You know, the, the when you know, I think that the systems and money and all those things they work the same at at, at, a, at a consumer facing firm and at a corporate firm, right? But it's it's intake is is I think very different. And to, to give you a concrete example, like like so we I waive a, we in theory charge for consultations, but I also waive. A ton of them and but it really just depends on who's referring it i just kind of at this point have a you know it when you see it sort of feel for when this is going to be definitely the the, the 250 dollars i'm going to make out of this are nothing compared to what this relationship is going to be worth even if they don't hire us but just because i want to know this person because they're gonna not hire us but they will refer us to others right and so figuring out how to translate those sorts of assessments to a system that intake staff can follow is a nut i haven't cracked yet you are on the precipice of hiring an associate and i'm wondering what what was what were the mental gymnastics you had to go through to finally make the decision to do that and and what are you looking for as you go through this process i think it it, in the back of my mind i've known i had to for for a while now two things that pushed us over the edge were a good chunk of our revenue is seasonal and comes in at the end of the year so we wrapped up last year 
having money in the bank that would let us absorb that salary, even in a, the, the first few months that it'll take to get this associate situated, that confidence. And then the other is, are you tired of the marketing guessing game? Does your website feel more like a digital billboard than a client magnet? If you're nodding along, you're not alone. And it's time to stop the uncertainty and start getting real results. Let's talk about your marketing spend. Are you just shelling out money every month and crossing your fingers? Do you ever wonder what impact your marketing is really having on your revenue? Well, it's time to take the guesswork out of the equation with Rise Up Media. We've been working with them for over a year and the feedback from our fellow members has been fantastic. Rise Up Media is here to take your marketing to the next level. They'll even perform a full audit of your online presence, giving you the good, the bad, and even let you in on what your competition is up to that you're missing out on. And the best part, there's no obligation, no catch, no pressure. If you decide to work with them, their contracts are month to month. That's right. No long-term commitments tying you down. So what are you waiting for? To learn more about how Rise Up Media can transform your firms, visit riseupmedia.com forward slash maxlaw and rise is spelled with a Z riseupmedia.com forward slash max law. Okay. So we, I opened the firm in early 2022. The, the first year went well, but it was just by the seat of my pants. And so I started 2023 with the idea that I don't want to grow or at least not grow much, but I want to just buckle down and actually figure out systems and, and, and processes and, and get ourselves very organized before we are ready to push and grow some more. And 2023 went by without any of that happening because I was spending so much of my time working in the cases. Looking back at 2023 and, and evaluating why, why that goal didn't, didn't end up happening, I realized, okay, we're, we're never going to be able to, to grow and get organized unless somebody else is handling a good chunk of the casework and I have time to work on the, on the business. Do you have an idea as to what you want the firm to actually look like? I mean, cause you're at the, you're at the sort of the bidding beginning stages of hiring. So do you have like an, an idea in mind? Like, okay, I want, the, I want it to look like this. I want it to be in this number of locations. I want us to operate, you know, hybrid in person, virtual. I mean, do you, do you, have you thought about that? How you want it to look? I want to grow just enough that there's some redundancy that I can take time off and there's people who can take care of things. And if somebody's out, they have coverage and it's not just one person in each seat. And if somebody's gone, everybody has to jump in and, and panic. But about that much, I don't, I, I don't want our firm to get huge really. So that's, that's, that's our kind of very fuzzy growth target. So maybe a couple of associates, maybe 50 to 50% to twice as much support stuff as we have now. And that's about it. We're at five full-time, two part-time right now. So somewhere bigger than that, but not a ton bigger. I started out with the idea that we were going to be 100% virtual. The immigration agencies have foiled us in that because they, they love getting these giant bricks of paper, you know, these, these, these substantial volumes. And so having a multifunction copier in my living room was really getting old. And it was my wife printing everything out. And then if we weren't home, then... Have, I couldn't have staff coming to my house to print out stuff, right? Or expect them to have a huge multifunction copier in, in their living room. So that has forced us to have a brick and mortar presence, even if it's a small one, right? For now, just to get the cases out and scan the stuff that comes in. But but oh, the vision when I started out was to be able to, I mean, we're, we, we're in Miami. I've been in Miami for about six years now, and, and I've 
lived here on and off my whole life. I'm a Spanish citizen as well, and also a Guatemalan citizen. And we, we, the idea was have, be completely virtual so that if we want to go back home to Guatemala and, and our son, who's two, two and a half, want, um, have him go to school down there for a couple of years and spend time with his grandma and his cousins, that we can do that, right? Or if we want to try our hand at living in Spain for a couple of years, that we can do that. And business immigration facilitates that because there's not a, there's not a huge in-person requirement. You know, in-person interviews at USCIS are occasional. There's no court work. So that that's where we want to eventually end up. Jose, what stresses you out? Everything. I'm a very tightly wound person. <laughs> One thing that I've struggled with from the start and, and, and I still do is I, I get excited about things. And so what, one of the things that prompted me to, to start the firm was that I, I thought very, very, a lot of things were very cool to me and I wanted to try them in my practice, um, outside of my practice, and I wanted to have the freedom to do that. And so I have a tendency to jump in and try this and try that. And, it, and it's worked in terms of like our growth, right? Like we, we decided to get into traveling to Latin America to do speaking engagements and conferences. And suddenly we're putting together conferences on our own. And it, it was just kind of a, this would be fun sort of idea. And it's worked out. And now I'm advising a legal tech startup and, and that that's building on a platform to build exceptional ability cases using AI. And, and that's been a lot of fun and all that's well and good, but it means that our operations are kind of haphazard because I, I have a hard time systematizing and that stresses like that. That's of my own making, but it stresses me out to, to not have predictability as to who's handling what and how they're handling it. And, and, and everything's just kind of as it comes right now. And, and if, if anybody who's spoken to me at length about my practice and, and, and know, knows that this is just my struggle, right? That this is the thing that, that we, we struggle most, the, mo- the most in uh, uh, my firm. Have, have you considered maybe hiring someone to help you with that part of it since you struggle so much with it? I've considered it. It's something that the project of training myself to actually participate in building that out at the firm is, is, is a, it's, it's, a, it's a personal goal that, that I'm, I'm excited about and I want to try out before I say I failed and I want to hire somebody else at it. Just because, I don't know, it, it, this has been a fun ride so far, just building all these muscles I didn't know I had, and this is one of them, right? So, you know, it's like, at some point when I was in high school, I, I tried skateboarding and I sucked at it, but all my friends did it, and I had to try it, and I had to fall on my ass a few times before I realized, okay, maybe this is not my sport. So, kind of, the, it's the less fun than skateboarding, but but this is, you know, something I want to try before I delegate out. I, I too tried to become a skateboarder and failed miserably at it. So I'm, I'm right there <laughs> with you. I could see Jimmy on a, on a skateboard. I'm bad at most sports. It turns out I, I don't have depth perception. I didn't find that out until I was like 18, but it, it explained so much because you, you throw a, a ball, a set of keys at me and it I'm just kind of flailing around. I, I figured it out when I, I was taking flying lessons and you know when i was going to get my pilot's license they 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 gave us a test to test depth perception and it, it explained why i was really i was good at taking off and navigating the plane but not so much as landing it because <laughs> so fun fact interesting so how did you how did you make the decision to join the guild and what were you looking for when you decided to do that like i said it was it was kind of drinking through a fire hose when i when i started out and so i just started looking for resources wherever i could find them i i can't remember if i came across the podcast first or the or or, or the the big group on, on on facebook but found one or the other and then that that was helpful and i just kind of 
lurked and lurked in the group and, and listened to the podcast and, and found the find it valuable and jumped in. At the same time, I was also joining a, a coaching program and I was also joining other groups. And so I was just finding help wherever I needed it. And this is this is what so Max Lies, one of the, the things that, that just stuck that, that, that clicked with me and, and, and I found helpful. And I just like I, I like the, the people who participate in Max Law. Yeah, I mean, like there's that's my favorite part too. Like, just there's just like a lot of great people. Just you know, they they're so willing to share. They're like just they're, they're sharers. It's it's great. So, very good. All right, Jose, we are getting close to time, so I do want to be respectful of your time. I'm gonna wrap things up. Before I do, I want to remind everyone: if you want to join us in the guild with people like Jose, who are fantastic, go to MaxLawGuild.com. We'd love to have you there. Just a lot of great people, uh, a lot of great business owners that are sharing all of their best tips and secrets, which is awesome. And if you want to, if you're not quite ready, join us in the big Facebook group. Just search Maximum Lawyer and you'll be able to find us there. And if you've gotten something from this episode or from any of the the other episodes, if you don't mind giving us a five-star review, we would greatly appreciate it. Let's get to our tips and hacks of the week. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? Back in 2022, one of the greatest baseball players I'll ever see in my life retired. His name was... Mr. Albert Pujols, El Hombre. Albert Pujols had a very, very long career. He's going straight to the Hall of Fame when he's done. His batting average, 296. 296. That means he got a hit less than three times out of 10. And I bring that up because I keep seeing people thinking that they have to get hiring 100% right every time. And I really want to push back on this idea that you're going to get hiring right every time. And I think that the real lesson is each time you hire someone, if it works out, write down why it worked out. If it didn't work out, write down why it didn't work out. And then each time you go through the hiring process, do things a little bit differently. If you do it the exact same way every time, you're going to get the same result. But if you, if you look at hiring the way that you ideate with software and look at it as how do I keep getting better at this skill? How do I develop this muscle more? Instead of hiring becomes such a roadblock for so many of our members and such a scary, scary thing. It's not that it's not that hard. Just think of it as an experiment. Don't beat yourself up over bad hires. Just figure out how can I do better next time. I like that. That's good. It's an experiment. Very good. Jose, you are next. By now, you should know that you should have a tip or hack ready for us. What you got for us? So I have a huge stack of books that I've been wanting to read, and I can't get through them because the hours are long. And then at home, we have a toddler who demands attention. And this one's from uh, Benjamin Hardy, the the guy. What is it? Ten? How how many x is easier than however many other x? Ten x and two x, I think. Yeah, there you go. And and it was he had this layered approach to audio books and then physical books where he it was on his podcast and it was like how I read some some insane amount of books a year and it was first first listen to the audio book and and so as you're listening to it half of them he said like within the first 20 minutes i realized this isn't even worth my like background noise time and so it's out and i didn't waste time trying to read that book then others i listen through it and i just kind of absorb at a surface level and then the ones that i find really really potentially valuable i sit down and read and actually highlight and take notes and so forth because his point was, if I try to read all of them, then it's a lot slower and, and, and I'm taking notes on stuff that might not be all that valuable. So it's kind of this like calling process, right? That starts with the audio book and then going back to the... So I've tried, I tried it this month and I also I already got through three books that had been on the waiting list for 
months and months and months. So it's working for me. I like that a lot. I'm going to steal that because that's a, because there are a lot of books where I like force myself to finish them. I'm like, oh, gosh, this is like, why? You know, just because you, you do get the, the gist of it in the first third. So very good. All right. So here's my tip of the week. So I had mentioned a book on the podcast before about storytelling, but I bought this game. It's called The Moth Presents a Game of Storytelling. The The writer of that book that I mentioned before, he'd spoken at The Moth quite a bit. I actually don't play the game, but it's it's I like the cards inside of it. So it gives it's like they're they're very thought provoking. It will it, it, they're they're really good conversation starters or they're really good you know questions you could ask on the podcast there's there's a lot of things you could do but or you can also practice your storytelling like for example like like on i just picked a random card like the the one side says food prepare a story about things you eat vittles grub cuisine groceries and it gives you some things that you could that you used to talk about and then the, on the other side it says tell us about a time you bit off more than you could chew a time you cooked up something special a time when food soothed your soul so it's just kind of a cool they're just it's it's something to help get your get your get you thinking creatively so you can play the game i've never played the game i don't even know how to play the game i like it just specifically for the ways it gets you thinking about different things and also gives you different questions you could ask people. So I think it's pretty cool. Good conversation starters. So if you want, if, if you're doing a bunch of networking and you want some conversation starters, it would actually be pretty helpful for you. But Jose, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing your story and coming on and being an amazing guild member. And we love, love seeing you grow and, and all the awesome things you're doing. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.